Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two-Rumpets. How's it going there, Matt? Ah, you know, it's going okay. We've had quite the entertaining weekend, haven't we? We've had an entertaining weekend, but we've had a really odd week. Now, normally we will see each other a couple of times a week over video conference, uh, but this week, since we last hit record on Missed Apex Podcast, we did on Monday a patron-only podcast where it got nice and personal, we we pulled up the psychiatrist's couch and asked each other, how does that make you feel? Right. I'm just going to take your word for that. You, were you not on it? No, I was on it, but like, you know, memory and all. Uh, and, I was making uh, a memory joke, you know, oh, like I see, that humor I see. thing I like to do. Yeah, you should practice it and then come back, should. try it again when you've perfected it. Uh, we also did our review of Picard episode eight on our podcast, Apex TV. And this is Apex TV Picard. So search for that on your podcast player if you've been watching that Star Trek franchise. And then, Matt, on Friday, we launched our brand new Apocalypse Daily show, Remain Indoors. Yes, Remain Indoors podcast. And it was actually, it was really entertaining. I can highly recommend it. Well, it's um, it's lovely just to have the time to do it because we've long talked about doing an, an afternoon drive time style show in a kind of radio format. And we kind of just hit record with a little bit of a plan, and it seemed to go well. So we're going to give it another go this week. Matt and I will be streaming live most days at 2 p.m. GMT or 2 p.m. UTC plus zero uh, with Remain Indoors podcast, where we'll find some fun news and tweets to discuss. And we'll talk about how we're keeping ourselves entertained indoors. And we're bringing on one of our podcast friends each day to come and join us. So uh, people from Missed Apex podcast, uh, people from the Dad Hub crew, uh, people who do uh, Apex TV with us, and people who contribute to my radio show as well. 
But tonight on Missed Apex Podcast, we'll talk about F1 teams on the front lines of the coronavirus pandemic. What F1-ish entertainment there is to keep us ticking over. What's happening with the 2021 regulations. We're going to pick our eight tracks for our dream shortened 2020 season. Plus, we'll end with our alternative timeline, Bahrain GP. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Uh, we're joined today by uh, Chris Catman Turner. How's it going, Chris? Yeah, it's good. I mean, with the panellists you got on today, I hope this really isn't a uh, jumping the shark moment. Why is that? Well, you know, you've got uh, me and, uh, and and Nick and, you know, there's... Uh, You've you've got your your usual panelists, Chris and and Brad and Alex have all have all gone. They're all they're all sick. Who knows? Wait, wait a minute. Okay, so we should clarify: the rest of the panel is not sick. I have not simply picked from those uh, who remain. You're doing yourself down. You're calling yourself effectively part of like the Z team for Missed Apex. That's not true. Even though you have the audacity to turn up to Missed Apex events in a full replica Williams kit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like to get the uh, expectations right. I'm going to be towards the back of the field. Well, it's not just that. It's more that you are a full kit uh, 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 participant. Person. Yes, Person, that's right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And your friend, who seems like a lovely guy, except for the fact that he turns up in a full replica Ferrari kit, I did consider consider banning him. Yeah, and I've got a, a full Red Bull kit friend now, so we're all good. We're getting the real set going. You're the worst cart team that turns up to our events. Uh, Chris Catman Turner, part of the, it's not, it's not the Bell End team, is it? What's it called? Oh, the Helmet Club. <laughs> it's the Helmet Club. That's what it is. Uh, we're also joined making his Missed Apex debut. So be kind, uh, to Nick Alexander. Nick, have you sorted out your microphone issues from last week? For the last time, we believe it was a Zoom software update issue, and there is nothing wrong with my very high-quality microphone. And I, for one, am offended at Catman's comments, putting me in the back of the grid with him. Okay, self-deprecating humor is one thing, but you can't have collateral damage there. You consider yourself vital. So do I. Matt? GP2 software. Wow, we're still doing GP2 jokes. I rejected a a listener contribution uh, earlier because it included the Ericsson meme I think we're going to have to do a list of memes and jokes that can stay in 2019, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to suggest that Nick does not read the comment from that nope squad, like, at all. Oh, hang on. Is that him? Is that him criticizing Nick's hair? Right. The rule is in the chat room. I'm really sorry. I'm enforcing this from now on. Uh, you will be put in timeout for insulting our panel. Okay. Uh I would like to point out, if you're insulting my hair, that hair salons are currently closed by order of the governor. So I don't know what you want me to do about it. Well, remain indoors. That's what we want you to do. Uh, But for the sake of this podcast, we're going to move on and talk about the Big Dirty News. Big Dirty News. Matt, in what I think is our only coronavirus news story a little bit of positivity f1 teams getting involved in the fight back against uh, this pandemic not that your country needs it i've heard that your country is bigly kefefe winning the battle and they're gonna beat it even sooner than expected it's probably already beaten we don't know we just haven't noticed yet unlike the rest of the world we've realized that if you don't 
test for it and call it that, it can't possibly have happened. And see, this is where the rest of you have simply missed the boat. No, uh, we have all been called upon to make sacrifices, at least those of us in countries that are affected, to stay home, to go out as little as possible, to work from home where we can, and only to put ourselves directly in danger if we were considered essential personnel, healthcare, and and also a shout out to the grocery workers and stuff like this. And it's not a surprise then, given the looming shortage of medical equipment, that the governments of the UK and Italy have called upon the engineering and additive manufacturing expertise of the Formula One teams to help meet the crushing demand, uh, especially, I believe, for ventilators, but also for other various paraphernalia as well. And with their advanced engineering and uh, manufacturing capabilities, they're well-placed to be helpful. And this is a really good thing. And it reminds me, as, as, as I see that it, Chris has something he wants to add, of World War II when, say, for example, Ford actually built bombers instead of cars to help out the national interest. And it's really nice to see a sport renowned for selfishness giving up a little to help everybody out. Yeah, and the F1 teams are specifically good at this because they're uh, they're used to producing brand new parts from design through till uh, production and on the cars within a couple of weeks between Grand Prix. So they should hopefully be able to get a really good quick response to this. So, you know, bring it on. Yeah, we, we forget that, you know, we've got uh, loads of really talented, intelligent people whose main job is to solve problems really, really quickly. And while they're not doing things in F1, uh, you know, we can have a thing where, you know, you know, those films where they say, I am commandeering your your car, senor, so that I can go and chase the baddie. Maybe governments can come in and say, well, we're taking the F1 engineers because they're really good at problem solving, Catman. Well, they have done that with, because uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a vet, and they have done that uh, with us. They're trying to uh, ask us if they can borrow our ventilators uh, for people. So, And you're like, no, I need, I need those for guinea pigs and hamsters yeah. and snakes My little and hamster needs that, that, get, that ventilator. Get your hands off. So you're just handing them over? Pretty much, yeah. So what happens to like, my, my sick cat? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do the breathing for it. I'll, I'll, I'll be the, the hero and mouth to mouth it for you. Okay. I, I have a lot more questions, but it's going to have to wait. Nick Alexander from all the way in Seattle has a contribution. Yeah. So not to devolve this too much into a general news show, but you know, the, the federal government coming in and ordering private manufacturers to make things for the national defense is something that we actually have the legislation in place for that we're, you know, thinking about putting in the place. So something like that really could happen, like in the movies. Excellent. And uh, some speculation, Matt, about Lewis Hamilton, all cleared up now. Yeah, he showed up in a picture with Idris Elba and Sophie Trudeau, both of whom tested positive for coronavirus. And there was much rampant speculation uh, about his health status. And I will now call it his status so that you can't possibly get me. It's a status. Yeah. Ah, dang it. Right. It, it, and he he came, he went public, said he's feeling fine. It's been 17 days, but his doctors advised him he did not need a test. They were more urgently needed for people with symptoms. So he self-isolated and it's all good people. Take a deep breath and have a drink. Lewis is fine. I mean, have a drink is excellent advice. Uh, it makes the sad go away and it makes the apocalypse go by faster. 
Yes. And I will just add this personal note of desperation. My wife is seriously into the stress baking. And I don't know about your family, but it's making it really hard for me to maintain anything that could be remotely considered a diet at this point. Okay. Matt, we're definitely going into Wafflecast Remain Indoors podcast territory, but I will say I've lost about four pounds because I'm frightened of consuming resources. I keep going, no, 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 we will need that. We will need that later in the shops. Uh, Dragon Twins very uh, humorously says uh, the Ferrari ventilators will have more airspeed, less downforce uh, until halfway through the usage in which they will get a sudden increase in power. Uh, Speaking of power, that's a good segue, that one. Oh, that was like oh, that was like right at the tip of my brain. I spat it out, spat those lyrics out. Speaking of power, the Mercedes McLaren swap, uh, well, the Mercedes swap from Renault to McLaren is still going to happen, despite us not moving to twenty twenty one regs in twenty twenty one. So we should stop calling them twenty twenty one regs. We should start calling them the the twenty twenty two regs. Is that right? Yeah. No, yeah, 2022 regs. Um, But let's start with this news that uh, Mercedes are definitely still going to be the power unit for McLaren. Yeah, well, it brings up an interesting conundrum, shall we say. The original plan was to have uh, McLaren take on the Mercedes power unit for the new regulations, but we're now not going to not only have new regulations in 21, in 22 instead we'll have them, But specifically, the teams were planning to reuse the chassis from 2020 in 21 to help save money. Now, that's not really going to be possible for McLaren because the fitting of the power unit uh, is entirely different. The Mercedes shape and the Renault shape are entirely different. They're going to have to redesign their entire chassis anyway. Explain how they're different. I'm assuming because the Renault one is kind of more tractor engine shaped and the Mercedes one is sleek so they can save a lot of volume. Yeah, well, the, 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 I think the technical word they tend to use is packaging. Um, but because the turbo's in a different place, because the size of things are in a different place, because the radiators are put in a different place and all the various odds and ends uh, are put in different places, they're going to have to redesign their chassis uh, for 21 in order to make it work. And that's going to be potentially an advantage if nobody else does but also going to have kind of a cost that no other manufacturer will have to take on. Wait a minute, though. Every team in the paddock at some point in the 2020 season was going to switch over and start building like completely new, unknown cars uh, with unknown regs, having to put a lot of time and effort in there, making contingency plans and all sorts. So now they have a slight disadvantage because a lot of the teams will stick with very similar packages for 2021. Because I've got, I've got the feeling that if they stay with these regs for 2021, a lot of the teams will be, well, you know, we're there or thereabouts. And it will just be an evolution of what we're doing in 2020, which will likely be, I don't know, a handful of races. And then we'll just move on. So McLaren have got that extra element where they have to develop a car, but it's still less than what they were going to have to do for the 2021 regs. Oh, yeah, it, it is absolutely less. And the confusion, at least to me, is the wording in the articles has been reuse the 2020 chassis in 2021. McLaren will not be able to do that. So that inflicts a cost on them. But if the wording of the regulations is such, they mean like there is no redesign from the end of 20 to the start of 21. 
that also opens a door for them to improve where nobody else can. It's, it's, yeah, absolutely. But it, it's also helpful. We're talking about kind of overall resource. And you're saying that if you've got 100 million, uh, you're going to put 50 million into developing the 2021 mule car and then the 2022 new car. But that also, you've got McLaren will have enough resource to have two design teams working simultaneously. So I don't think there will be able to, or th- that they will actually have a big deficit in that area. I don't think it'll impact them too much. So, Matt, what we are hearing, is is this definite or was it rumour that the, the new concept is definitely being scrapped? So we're definitely running with 2020-type cars next season. Uh, it actually has massive implications for the sport. Uh, yeah, it does. And I think people will be quietly surprised at three years of stable regulations uh, because of the concept of marginal gains. So the teams that were behind will be catching up and the teams that were ahead will not be able to find as much with no change in the rules to aid them along. So so we'll actually should see better racing in 21. Now, I will say, because someone gave me money to work this into the podcast, that Ooh. they almost certainly will have to have new tires. <laughs> someone gave you money to do that. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Nah, I, they didn't, but I was just thinking of super troopers. Anyway, if you know that scene, you'll be laughing now. But the tires, uh, there are already complaints about the tires this year, about the high pressures they're having to run. Another year of development will make even more energy into the tires. There will be new tires, I would assume, for next season. And I would imagine Pirelli will be on that, you know. Well, uh, the person we should ask about that is Gemma Hatton, who was an ex-Pirelli and uh, Manor tire engineer. And she will be on this podcast next Sunday. Who's on with us Yay. next Sunday? We've got you... Kyle, Gemma, and who else? That's it. No, that's it. That's the four. So in that show, as part of that show, because you guys have been too lazy to put together your two-stroke engine show, as part of that show, we will do the whole kind of engines thing. So we'll do a bit of a primer for people who may not uh, understand what F1 engines are doing, a little bit of a primer on the hybrid systems, how they work currently, and how a two-stroke engine might benefit, I think. is that Was that the general idea? Uh, the two-stroke engine, um, while I, I could send you all the research I sent Kyle. Or you could summarise it quickly for our listeners. That's uh, I, I could summarise it, but it wasn't just it wasn't just two-strokes. It was also plasma ignition and a whole host of other things well, that Simmons go. mentioned. We were going to do a very deep dive into that and into the technical stuff of it. So the two-stroke show will happen. But if you wish to bring it up, um, because it's an off week anyway, would be happy to discuss it. And we can think about with Gemma what the tyres might look like in, in 2021. But your general point is that they will increase their performance naturally as an evolution, uh, but there will be decreasing gains as they put more into it. So Pirelli will have to respond. So in theory, 2021 should be a lot closer racing. What I'm thinking with McLaren is there will be common sense because uh, F1 made that change to the regulations for next year, knowing that McLaren had a contract to go to the Mercedes engines. So I think it's it's a common sense approach that obviously there will have to be some leniency. They're not going to go, no, you must simply put the Mercedes engine in the Renault shape. Uh, It would be very hard done by, I think they would feel hard done by if there was not some help to do that. Yeah, I don't think they actually physically could fit the Mercedes engine into into the Renault shape, as it were, round peg, square hole kind of thing. 
Uh, but where it gets interesting is the spending of money and whether or not teams will be allowed to evolve chassis from the end of 20 to the start of 21 or not. If the teams are have have their chassis frozen, homologated at the end of 20, but McLaren is allowed to adapt for a new engine shape, then that's potentially an advantage for them. But I, uh, I'll be at one that comes with a financial cost the other teams won't have. Excellent. Nick, was it you that was pointing out, you, you made some notes to me about Toto Wolf and the fact that Bonotto is evil. Was that you earlier? Oh, yes. I was reading, I was reading Matt's show notes. So there was a, a conference call to, to have a vote about postponing the, uh, I can't even keep track of the numbers now, the 21 regulations in the 2022 and Toto didn't show up for Thursday's call, allegedly, which has uh, led to a daily mail article with just this crazy daisy chain of speculation like charlie day from it's always sunny in philadelphia with the red yarn meaning how this i i think means lewis hamilton's going to retire or something so um as a as a seattle ian seattleite seattle it's seattleite yeah oh is it seattleite i like that as a seattleite how aware are you of the daily mail um, well, I mean, I talk with you guys a lot, obviously, so I, I am aware that it uh, is um, coming quite in handy with the shortage of bog roll recently. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, but what 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 are the it's low quality, right? So, there's been a lot of speculation about Toto Wolf and his future with Aston Martin and what that might mean uh, for Lewis Hamilton. Matt, uh, it's it's inconceivable that Toto Wolff's plans in any way would lead to Lewis Hamilton just going, oh, if Toto's out, I'm out. Yeah, I, I don't think he is going to be out till he achieves whatever personal goals he has set for himself. The interesting bit to me was both Toto and uh, Lawrence, Papa, shall we call him? Papa Stroll. Skipping Skipping out on that call, and the person I would really love to hear from, who is otherwise occupied at the moment, uh, would be would be Carter. Like, how unusual would it really be for a team principal to say, oh, "Okay, you you're the you're the TD. You go attend to this whole regulations things," because honestly, I can't be bothered, and I'm tired of talking to Christian Horner. And there is an awful lot of delegation when it comes to that kind of thing. When it comes to big meetings, and if you can trust. Uh, your your um your technical director or your deputy to do so. I don't think that's that uncommon. Uh, but that does lead to the question, Nick: How silly is silly season going to be this year? Because what we're going to find is that even before we get a race, people are already speculating about uh twenty twenty contracts, uh twenty twenty one contracts. Yeah, I think it's definitely getting. Very silly. Definitely feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit. That could just be daily life, though. But um, I just, I guess I don't understand, even if Total Wolf was planning on bailing on the most successful Formula One team ever to go run the team that Lance Stroll's dad bought, even if he was going to Aston Martin to be the CEO, I'm not really sure why that would preclude him from from taking part in the calls and discussions about the rules and regulations. I mean, just because you're thinking about switching to another team just means you just stop showing up. Just something really does not add up with this, with this speculative article here. No, it's a good, it's a good example to check your sources. And in an international world, it can sometimes be hard when something comes from a a press that is foreign to you. Uh, It's always best to check things from a couple of sources 
and say, well, have I heard this from a reputable source? Is there somewhere else I can find it? And are those two sources independent or are they both speculating on the same article? So if you find it in one of, uh, you know, another random website, have they not just got it from the Daily Mail? Yeah, but Spanish, that sounds hard. It is hard work. It is hard work. And I have been uh, frustrating everybody in our uh, panel WhatsApp group and in our Slack group when it comes to coronavirus, because I'm like, right, if you don't put links and a source to what you're telling me, I'm just I'm just going to delete it. Uh, Matt, uh, right. Where are we where are we moving next, buddy? Uh, Ferrari came under fire uh, from the rest of F1 for their unwillingness to do stuff. Well, admittedly, it is the Daily Mail. However, their accounting of the call included the fact that it was Ferrari who were the dissenting vote against kicking the regulations a year down the can. And also, I think, uh, possibly with the flexibility of the calendar in the sense that Ferrari sent a sporting advantage for themselves and didn't wish to give in. But the rest of the teams were like, perhaps looking at the bottom line of Formula One overall and saying, you know, listen, it's not going to help anybody out if three or four teams go bankrupt this year and there's no one to buy them because the sport has only run one and a half races because we don't really yet know what's going to happen with the races that are still on the calendar. In fact, I'll just drop this. I saw it on Twitter. Autosport reported uh, that they expect Baku to be postponed as of tomorrow official announcement forthcoming. So we we are really in uncharted territories. And it was apparently a lengthy and somewhat, you know, heated call. That said, according to Steiner, that's not an entirely unusual thing, as everybody seeks to get the best out of whatever situation they're going to be stuck with. So I don't think it's fair to go say, you know, Ferrari and Bonato are horrible, but it was it took a while to reach an agreement everybody could live with. I mean, Ferrari are evil, confirmed. No arguments here. Matt, no no argument. Uh, Catman, no argument. No, he's shaking his head. Nick, no argument. Ferrari are the Death Star. That's right. I have officially changed my opinion on ah, that between good, good. seasons. So you are a Red Bull fan or now or, or an Aston Martin? Which way are you going? I think Red Bull this year, Aston Martin next year. I'll just switch every year. And this totally makes sense because guess who dropped out of all his races today? Verstappen. That's... <gasps> Gasp, the plot thickens. Right, which leads us very nicely onto the events that are happening as this podcast is being streamed. Well, we did consider cancelling this show, or at least postponing it to around 10am, so that we could see what esports were happening. Now, I, I took the decision not to do that, because I felt like watching Latifi and Lando Norris uh, race some people I'd never heard on a computer game probably wasn't worth me staying up uh, till two o'clock in the morning editing. So that, that's why we've made the decision not to do it. I have to say that before uh, we came on the stream, I was watching a race that had Latifi in it, that had Lando Norris in it, and I thought, oh, good, they've done it early. That's That's good, that's convenient. We can crack on with the stream now, only for everyone to yell at us when we started the stream, Matt, that we were clashing with something. So, in this post-real uh, racing world, uh, the sun will rise tomorrow, racing will come back, but for now, a lot of people are scrambling to put esports on. We have an existing esports event, which is the Missed Apex iRacing Series. Round three 
is on March 28th. It, the early rounds might have been wrong, but they were first, by the way. We were doing this first. And I have to say, I've seen a variety of quality in the programs. Uh, I've seen streams going wrong. I've seen a variety of approaches to the commentary. But I have to say, overall, watching all the sim racing that is on offer, and, and, and a lot of it is well-produced, the Missed Apex production, if you search for Missed Apex Motorsport on YouTube, it's in the same kind of ballpark. In fact, let's go to Catman. It's in the same kind of ballpark, quality-wise. Well, it was until you asked me to commentate on uh, next Saturday's race, at which yes. point, uh, yeah. Now, right. I could glibly agree with you and say, yes, we've been scraping the bottom of the barrel. However, I've heard you commentate. You've commentated at the Missed Apex karting events uh, uh, alongside Chris Stevens. Uh, Pip Hammond has also done some commentary there. And we've even had Alex Brundle do a bit of commentary there as well. Very good commentator who's going to be doing some GP2, uh, sorry, F2 commentary this season, if it ever goes ahead. Uh, however, you are joining our commentary team for our, our iRacing team. So you and Chris together with some expert analysis from Bradley Philpott. And I have to say, I'm incredibly proud of the production we've put on as a team, mostly due to Steve Amy, our video producer, who is a professional you know, broadcaster, video content producer, switching scenes, giving video replays. And I, I would bet you, if you tuned in to our event on the 28th, it, w- it is a better video production than what we've seen. But Matt, do you want to just give us a rundown? What has been on offer as a replacement for F1? And I have to say, no, it's not a replacement for F1 because a lot of people have looked at it and instantly gone, oh, it's not exactly like real F1, so I'm not watching it. Uh, but I would argue that most of it is racing. Yeah, so I'm going to draw a distinction here. If you are on iRacing, if you are on R Factor 2, it is a simulation. If you are on F1 2019, it is a game. And I'm just going to, that I think is a fair distinction in terms of understanding what you're watching. And now that said, we had a lot to choose from. If you were looking for racing this week, we had We Are the Race. We had Not the Bahrain GP, which wrapped up just before we started. We have ongoing at the very moment the virtual GP. Wait, wait, so, the wait, stop, 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 stop. Is that is that three? Have you just listed three distinct events? I have. So we are the race. Is that the one uh, with vol- volants? Uh, no, not Veloce. That's Torque oh. Esports. That's okay. that's the same as like the new, uh, like the new, the one that sucked up all the autosport journalists. Is okay. actually Torque Esports. They're an esports company, and they've been sponsoring these races. Uh, they've gotten like, uh, Da Costa, they've gotten Van Dorn, Verstappen did them last week. Norris, I think did them last week. Um, so not the Bahrain GP that's Veloce Esports. Right. And now currently going on sponsored by official F1, we have, uh, the virtual Grand Prix in addition, IMSA, which is the U S version of WEC had an event yesterday at Sebring, which I thought was pretty good. And IndyCar is coming out with their version of it, Okay, their version of racing as well. Now we can talk about the differences, but I see that Nick is dying. No, no, Matt, Matt, I'm dying here, right? Let's concentrate on the F1 offerings before we branch off onto the, the, the WEC and the Indy. Nick? Except one other off-branch, if you will. Mike Cross in the chat has helpfully pointed out the existence of Marbula One, which is where somebody races marbles. And no, 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 don't make that face. Don't make that heavy sigh. 
you should go watch on YouTube. It is brilliantly done. It has better commentating than these e F1 games that I've seen. It is fantastic. Give, just give it a chance. I have. Uh, it has been very popular in our house over the last year or so. Uh, we love Marble Runs. And when I can't be bothered to read bedroom stories, we watch YouTube Marble Runs and each pick like a couple of marbles to bet on. It's amazing, amazing fun. Uh, so we got. Then really- why are you rolling your eyes at me? <laughs> because of, it's because it's a tangent, and I'm trying to create F1 content. You're talking about marble racing, and Matt's talking about WEC and IndyCar. So let's talk about what's happening in the F1 community. So what I saw with the We Are the Race at the moment seems like the best offering from a sports point of view. That's the one that was uh, no. Well, if we're only speaking of strict F1, then yes. <laughs> okay. Right. You're killing me. Okay. So that is the one that is commentated on by Jack Nichols and Jolian Palmer. And overall, that seems to be the one with the best production and the best racing because they're running on the R Factor sim uh, with good production quality and a great commentary team. Yes. I would agree with that. If we're, if we're limited to current open wheel offerings, the R Factor two races I found more entertaining than the F1 2019 races by a factor of, well, large. And where that goes right is that they've gone for a simulation and they've gone for people who are skilled in the art of sim racing. Uh, The official F1 offering uh, possibly falls down because they they build it as we are inviting all 20 drivers from Formula One to come and race with us. And that generated all the publicity and the press. In the end, they've ended up with uh, Latifi, who has yet to race in Formula One and yet to build up a fan base. And and that was it for a long time. In fact, until today, that was the only current F1 contracted driver they had. And then suddenly about, I don't know, about two o'clock uh, UK time, it looked like, uh, it, didn't it, Chris? It kind of looked like Nando, Lando Norris w- with a big broomstick being shoved behind him kind of went, oh, uh, I'm racing in the in the thing as well. And you just think it's so late. Like he could easily have said a week ago he was going to do it. I don't think he wanted to do it. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it was a very foolish error for them to have said, yeah, we're asking all 20 F1 drivers to come. And then one person came to their party. And this is where they have really missed the trick, because rather than just putting on some haphazard production, they should have gotten everyone to agree to show up and race and give them time to prepare. Because let's face it, if all of our favorite drivers, if let's say 70% of the grid was racing, We'd be watching that right now, and we'd be talking about it in another 20 or 30 minutes when the whole thing was over. The fact that no one who's a current Formula One driver, apart from Latifi and Norris, and by current Formula One driver, I mean on the grid. I don't mean your third test reserve driver or someone who comments from Sky or a professional golfer. I mean, no, really. And the other thing is they they made all the cars the same, and they made a fixed setup as well which also seems like it takes sort of some of the real reality fun out of it. So if you're going to give us F1, give us F1. Let the team engineers go nuts on the setups. Give us the real drivers. And I don't care if Lewis is terrible in a video game. It will be exciting and fun to watch because we care about the drivers. But Lewis cares if Lewis is terrible in the game. Uh, Max Verstappen, he did say uh, that... 
he was specifically not going to race in this because it was on the game rather than on the simulation and that he doesn't know the intricate ways of driving in that game. So he didn't want to look silly. And so he's just going to concentrate purely on the ones that are based on iRacing. Yeah, so there's a fundamental difference between uh, sims and and games. So people are asking, well, why didn't the F1 drivers just get involved? Well, well, mainly, like, you're, you're asking Kimi Raikkonen to, to go and do... Uh, a, a, a simulation of a simulation in a way, because it's a game that is kind of set up to be a sim, uh, but there are some fundamental differences. And Catman, you're probably the most experienced sim racer out of us. Uh, it, it's fair to say, like on iRacing or R Factor, someone like me would struggle very much to drive an F1 car. Like if I was to get into iRacing and select the F1 car because it's there, or even an F3 car, or, or even as Matt saw in one of our practice sessions, um, an IndyCar, or, or what was it? What was it we raced, Matt? Well, it was the IndyCar. It was right, a Dallara yeah. 12, uh, 12. No yeah. clue. No clue how to stick a, a car with downforce into a corner. However, if I set up my wheel and pedals and played the F1 game, I could drive that and I could get around. It's built to be accessible to people like me. Yeah, absolutely. Because if they if if they were trying to market a simulation to the mass market, and it was eminently drivable, then that would just show that actually there is very little skill in sitting on your bum and driving around the seventy laps of Bahrain. Whereas actually, you've got to make a, a computer game that is going to sell to lots of people year on year because it's accessible. People can get online and race each other regardless of skill level. Whereas the simulators like uh, R-Factor or uh, iRacing, they are made for the diehard fans who've probably done a little bit of driving, or if not, then they want that they're kind of of that ilk rather than um, your granny in front of your PS4. What Your granny in front of your PS4, that feels like it was a direct attack at Kyle and Alex uh, Van Jean who race on PS4. I don't know, what, what game do they do? Project Cars? Project Cars too, and I, I hear that they absolutely love that game. It's probably one of their favourite games I've ever played. Kyle is going to join in and have a go at uh, at our Mist Apex iRacing. And it, it, it's it's interesting that the guys who play on console struggle on iRacing. The guys who play on iRacing might struggle on the console games. Uh, sim racers will struggle if you put them in a real-life car. And Formula One drivers will struggle if you put them on a top sim. Because, Catman, I think you'll agree, it's it's its own specific discipline. Absolutely. But there are some people who can cross between. For, for instance, uh, there was the Nissan-sponsored uh, event back in the day, I think it was like 2015 or something like that, where Jan Mardenborough, who was a sim racer who was just sitting on his sofa in front of his PS4 playing Grand, uh, GT Sport or even the one before that, Gran Turismo 5, I think it was. Uh, and they got him all the way to Le Mans. And he, he's a very good driver. He then went to Formula 2. Um, hasn't been successful at the highest levels, but he is a, a fantastic uh, driver who's been able to go from sim racing to real racing. Okay, a couple of things uh, in the chat room. By the way, thank you to our live chat. Go and find us on YouTube, Mist Apex Podcast. Uh, subscribe. There's a little bell there. And if you click it, when we go live, you get a notification. But generally, it is at 8 p.m. UK time. At the moment, we are on UTC uh, plus zero, which is the same as uh, GMT. So you can come and join us there. Uh, Vermeens points out that Lewis won't flog any other game as he is the face of Gran Turismo Sport. So this has thrown up a lot of contractual things. Uh, we'll go to Catman first, then Trumpets. 
I was just say he's really gunning for comment of the week this week because he also uh, mentioned about, he said, don't knock golfers because they are excellent drivers. You know, at the end of the show, we read those comment of the week candidates. So have we reached the point where I can talk about what I want to talk about now? Okay. Great. Uh, yesterday, it came up that IMSA, which is the version of WEC in the United States, had a race on iRacing at Seabrick. And I bring this up because of a conversation Nick and I had earlier, and I have a challenge for the chat room. And so I thought, well, you know, I haven't seen it. Let me go see. It was on iRacing. Uh, Heindahl was commenting, which is Radio Le Mans. So it was official commenting. It was amazing TV production. 50-car grid. They were all IMSA racers. They weren't esports guys. They were all IMSA racers, including one who was remarkably bad and actually retired after three laps. But it was the first e-race that I have seen that made me stick around to the end and not just watch it later and bop through for highlights. And I think it's because it was on iRacing, because it was real racers that I knew, and because the production values were utterly pro. And I'm going to say, if you're not doing that, you're making a mistake. And so somebody go watch that and tell me if I'm crazy. So I would imagine that their contract structure is different. They seem a lot more compliant. I've seen some of the social media stuff uh, they do. It's it's actually better. The interaction with the drivers is better than with Formula One. They're much more accessible and um, they show more personality as well, I think, than a lot of the F1 drivers. It being on iRacing, I think, is crucial. iRacing is very strict on damage. Uh, one of the productions I was watching earlier, cars were hitting each other left, right and centre. And there was no real uh, uh, peril. For, for hitting each other. With iRacing, if you make any contact, it removes performance from your car. So you really don't want to. And it enforces track limits, which makes me very, very happy. We are going to move away from sim racing soon, I promise. Yeah, I was just going to chuck in that the other thing about iRacing that I have noticed, even in our own little league, is that the tire degradation is real and you notice it. And that because the race was long enough, it was 30 laps, it was like 90 minutes, that that you got both tire strategies and, because it's refueling, fuel strategies in place, which made the whole thing a lot more interesting, at least for me to watch. And, uh, right, so just to finish up then, why didn't the F1 drivers sign up? Their reputations are at stake. They have individual contracts and commercial agreements. They don't want to. Kimi Raikkonen is older than me, so and he's a dad as well, so he hasn't grown up uh, with sim rigs you know, I mean, I, I have recently got a play chair, a plate. No, it's not called a play chair, is it? A play, a play seat, seat about about three months ago, which is brilliant. Uh, but that's about it. You know, like a generally, you know, growing up, we, we've had uh, steering wheels, but it, it was steering wheels, which was a joypad. And actually steering the wheel didn't make a difference. It was just it just made you feel like you were in a race car, which is then involved to controllers, which pick up the turn and then force feedback. For, force feedback is relatively recent in my kind of view of the world. So Kimi Raikkonen hasn't grown up with that. Lewis Hamilton hasn't grown up with that. It's unfair to get those top drivers, in, and I'm sure Vettel doesn't do sims either, it's unfair to get those top drivers in and go, well, do you know what? Humiliate yourselves on a game that's not a simulation simply for our entertainment. They're not clowns. They're serious race drivers. And if you want to set up an esports league, you, you need to kind of give them a bit more warning. I think, to do that. So I don't blame any of them for not doing it. I think it was silly of F1 to push the event as if it was... They, they said at one point, they said, we've invited all 20 drivers. 
So they've put it on the drivers. Now, instead of saying, we'll see who turns up, uh, we'll give you some great personalities, they could have said, they said, we're inviting all 20 drivers, and then we've put it on the drivers now. So we're sitting here going, well, well why didn't why didn't Kimi Raikkonen want to turn up and get beaten by Jeff752 in his shed on his uh, Logitech G29? Yeah, or why not talk to the drivers first before you even announce anything? Yeah, well, that would be... That would be making sense, wouldn't it? That would be making sense. Uh, just before we move on, a lot of people have asked me lately, uh, because sim racing is a thing and we've been doing our iRacing event. If you want to get involved in that, we use iRacing. We use MX-5s because it's realistic and someone like me cannot jump into an F3 car or even a Renault 2.0 and be competitive. The field spread would be too big. We use the MX-5s because realistically people like me and Matt uh, can and our listeners can jump in uh, get used to it, be familiar with it, and be there or thereabouts so we can actually have a race. If there was a go-kart simulator that, I, that was as good as iRacing, I I think I would, would go for that. We've had really good races over the last few rounds, and races uh, rounds one or two have been really close, and we've had great battles up and down a 40-car grid. Catman. So there actually uh, there is now a go kart simulator that actually has tracks like Butmore Park on it. So wow. if uh, <laughs> if our event does get cancelled because of the event, uh, then uh, then we could race it on there. Yes, um, more news incoming uh, for the Mist Apex event on the twenty fifth of April at Butmore Park. Butmore Park is now closed down. Uh, I am w- awaiting official confirmation of of how we are going forward. But no one who has signed up for that karting event will lose out. If we have to cancel it and postpone it, we will go for the next available date we can. I'm still confident we're going to have some great uh, events this year at Missed Apex Podcast. Let's move on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Where do we go now, Matt? I tell you what, why don't we think about the calendar coming up and we can have a bit of a debate here because in a moment I'm going to ask the panel to agree on what our eight race calendar should be, which tracks we want. I'm going to set out some rules 
right? It has to be a track that is capable of putting on an F1 race. It doesn't have to be on the actual calendar, uh, but uh, it does have to be capable of putting an F1 race on. So uh, what Glenn Watkins, no. Uh, in India, yes. I, I don't actually know the state of that track. But first of all, Matt, let's go over to your side of the country. There's an update, uh, your side of the world, sorry. There's an update on Kota. Uh, yeah, well, I, I figured the smart thing, and it, it pains me to leave out all the clever power unit stuff that I researched, but we can do that next week. Um, the current calendar, as we have it, starts with Azerbaijan, although that's likely to be postponed tomorrow. Monaco has been canceled, and I know that brings a tear to your eye. I'm devastated. Vietnam, China, the Netherlands, Spain, and Bahrain are all currently, quote, postponed. I think we need to address something there. You've implied that I don't like Monaco. I've always and consistently loved Monaco, and I am devastated. I would suggest to you, Matt, if you don't like it, you have to be there. You have to have been there and seen the cars. And there is a, a distinct effect when you go there that you realize how important you are because you've been there and seen it. And then you get to look down on people who haven't seen it. So I think you just need to, I just think you need to be a little bit richer and go and see it for yourself. And then you can judge. Is it just me or is he turning orange or as he says that? I, Sorry, that was dangerous. I apologize. I don't really blush, but that's a topic for another day. Do continue. Um, uh, but of the races, we are a little bit concerned about Coda because they have laid off all of their employees. And all of their events have been canceled. And we already know they were only able to stay in business with the help of the state of Texas, which counts on returns from the race. So it's been brought up that potentially this is problematic uh, for the race going forward in the U.S. And if not there, where else might a race be held if the track itself goes under? Uh, one suggestion has been Indianapolis. Uh, there's been a change of owner there, and there's been some talk that the track would like to have Formula One back. But it's all, again, you know, I mean, I bring this up. It's it's all basically clickbait. It's vaporware right now because everything is too far off, and we don't really have a lot of specific facts at the moment. Nick, what does Cota mean to you, as I now realize you are an American, a Seattleite, uh, and I don't know the geography of the US, so I'm going to assume that Kota is right next door to where you are. If Silverstone was cancelled, it would really have a huge effect on me and how I see F1 as a British fan. And when the Battersea Ypres uh, was was cancelled due to local protests, it really affected how I thought about the Formula E calendar. I was like, wow, this series is not even coming to the UK. It made me care about Formula E less. How, how much does Kota mean to the US F1 audience? Ooh, this might be controversial. I I don't think it matters to me at all. I don't think it would change my opinion. Matt is losing his mind. That's okay. I, I don't think it would change my my F1 viewership one way or another. There's there's already so few people that I meet in the wild that are F1 fans. I just don't know if it would I don't know if it would make a difference, to be honest with you. I've been there. Um I went to the six hours of Coda a couple of years ago. It's great, but um, wouldn't wouldn't turn me off of F one. Is it because US fans are kind of so used to there not being 
uh, an F1 Grand Prix in the US and like obviously had Indianapolis and stuff, but you see it more as an international uh, event rather than something that's a US based thing. Yeah, I I might view F1 as primarily European. Actually, I feel like most of the fans that I know that I talk to, they're they're you guys in in England or they're in France or or Germany or the Netherlands. Um, definitely talk to more people online abroad about F1 than I do my own friends here. Unfortunately, I wish uh, I wish all these social distancing restrictions could be lifted and we could all go to the pub and we could all watch F1 in in Seattle, but. Yeah, <laughs> but but you mustn't. You must remain indoors. Uh, Dat Nope Squad, uh, I knew how to pronounce that because I'm fly. Said you're closer to Monaco Spanners than he is to Cota. Uh, Vicky says that's true uh, for me, Spanners. So I think she's saying from I'm assuming that's from an American point of view that it would detract from the F1 experience. And European says we should brace for the entire F1 season to be cancelled. I would caution about thinking uh, more than about six weeks to 10 weeks ahead because we are in completely uncharted territory. There is no one now who can tell you what the world is going to look like in a month. And whilst we trivialise Formula One, Catman, because we love it and we desperately want it to continue, um, we cannot tell if we move uh, to the end of... uh, What's the one after March? At the end of April... We just have no idea where we are. The the world, the dust could have settled. There could be a miracle cure. It could have wiped out half the planet, but the survivors are willing to carry on and do F1. Or we could be very much still in a a bunkering down phase. I think if it wiped out half the world, I still would have no chance of getting anywhere near Formula One. Um, But Surely Silverstone would have to to put the prices down a bit. <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm going to get milk in my uh, online shopping order on Monday. Never mind, uh, you know, whether the rest of the F1 season is going ahead. Yeah, don't. I'm, I'm triggered. Like it took me two and a half hours to get milk yesterday. In fact, I haven't done that. I haven't done that with the panel. I vowed on Twitter that before anyone spoke to me, I want to know if you're hoarding milk. Nick, how much milk do you have? I have no milk. I do not understand the obsession with milk. What do you need milk for? Children. Personally, I don't touch the stuff. It is weird to just drink cow boob juice. I don't do it. Uh, Matt, how much milk do you have? Uh, I think we have half a gallon for cooking purposes. That's too much. You're not my friend. Catman, how much milk do you have? I've got six pints of blue top milk it's all cat milk though so that is that's fine that doesn't you can milk cats but i haven't my point is it's a very fluid situation we can't look too far ahead anymore we just can't oh fluid i'll pretend i did that on purpose (laughs) yeah uh yeah good Uh, matt kota would mean a lot more to you if we lost it yeah well the thing is it's become quite uh, an amazing venue austin is a great town I really actually enjoy seeing the cars run on that track. So I think it would be sad for a purpose-built track and one of the few non-Tilkadrome tracks that we have that is new to be dropped from the calendar. That said, there will be a race in the United States. And as Nick says, it's not going to affect me personally and my viewing habits of Formula One. But, you know, there's people that I talk to online that live out there, people who have jobs out there, marshals who work there, people who do track days there. It's going to be a real shame if it goes under. And that's a, that is a very, very real possibility at this point. It's a good track. It's a good track. I would say, though, 
it is on par with some of the best Tilkadromes, and we're going to get in a bit of a scrap about that in a minute. But Nick, what do you want to come in with? Well, the architect of Circuit of the Americas was one Hermann Tilke. Yeah. Oh, you did confuse me with that, if I'm honest, Matt, because there was there's some Tilke-esque things in it. No, the original design was the guy who runs the Mexican Grand Prix. Tilke took that and turned it into a track, but the original thoughts were not Tilke's thoughts. So Miro Tilke- Rivera? Miro Rivera, perhaps, is who you're thinking of. Okay, cool. Well, mm. we'll, we'll park that. We'll park that because that sounds like a very boring argument. Let's go on to the thing I decided to do. I'm going to give you my eight tracks for my eight, uh, eight race 2020 uh, Grand Prix season. So, Nick, keep an eye on the chat room uh, for our stunted eight race season. Uh, I will go through my eight and see how angry people are getting at me. And panel, feel free to put your hands up and interrupt me for any of my choices. No, not now, Matt. I haven't started yet. But I have my own eight. Do I get to read them too or no? <sighs> I don't know. I'm assuming since we're so on on like on the same level, they'll be the same anyway. So it would be boring for you to just read the same list. I have Why don't to we do a draft. draft. <laughs> I'll, I notes. I'll do mine first and you tell me Bye. where you land. Okay, so my season Bye. opener would be it at uh, one of my favorite Grand Prix of the year. And I believe one of the best tracks on the calendar, the Chinese Grand Prix. Do I have any arguments from you guys? Does anyone want to remove that? There looks to be general agreement. Catman, you're shuffling in your chair. Don't be afraid. I'm more scared of you than you are of me. Or is that bees? I'm not sure. I, I do really like China. You get a lot of overtaking there. Um, I don't really like that first corner, though. What? I, I no. think I could... I, I love the first corner. This is one of the best. Okay, right. Catman, you incorrectly tell me why that turn one sequence is not good. I don't know. I, I I don't like the fact that you just keep on turning and turning and turning and oh, I've gone to sleep by the end of the corner. But it's a decreasing radius and you do see people get into trouble going too hot into that corner and suddenly realising that, that there's more cornering and speed loss to be done. And uh, so recently, Brad has been talking my son through the process of breaking into a corner, getting nearly to the slowest point uh, in the turning phase and then allowing your tyres to get you to the slowest point before you drive away. On that corner in China, you can't do it because you have to be both on the brakes and letting the tyres the turn and it just looks so challenging and it produces good racing into turn two as well. I mean, Seb would not have been as silly. Don't be silly, Seb. You know, in the multi-21, that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that amazing corner map. Yes, and let's not forget China is the track that did give birth to the torpedo. Exactly. I think it's a good it's a good racing track. The chat room doesn't seem to agree, Nick. They don't. I Mike Stoner just says no in capital letters. <laughs> but I I disagree. I, I like China. Um I don't remember how many years ago it was now because last month feels like several years ago, but where the Red Bulls came storming back after the safety car. I mean, there's just been some absolutely Brilliant races there. I can't imagine it not making the cut unless it was number nine. That was one of the dullest races ever until a late safety car. So actually, you could say that of any circuit that has a possibility of overtaking apart from Monaco, where if if I had a, a big red button and I could press that whenever I fancied it, I could make genius races at any circuit you like. 
See, you, you see what you've done. You've just gone and discredited my nostalgia. I mean, nostalgia is half the reason for picking any of these tracks. doesn't matter how it happens. I have fond memories of it. Right. So if I was going to have an opener, I think it would have to be Suzuka. So you've decided that you're doing your list now. Okay. Well, I mean, or, or shall I wait till you're done? I was going to I was going to go. <laughs> okay. So we'll wait. I'm sorry. Next. I wasn't sure what was going to go on. A lot of people are asking for my list, mm. but let's go ahead and go a, through your A list lot first. of people, really. Okay, that sounds like a typical YouTuber thing to say. Hey, guys, there's a lot of people, and by a lot of people, I mean uh, my mom, who want to see me doing my latest dance. So here it is, guys. Be sure to like and subscribe. That is the rat hole you just fell into, Matt. Also, that is what you sound like. No, I shall do it my way. Actually, I hadn't thought about doing it uh, in order. So I'm just going to go through my eight, and then you can tell me the ones uh, that are different. I'd forgotten about Suzuka, to be fair. Uh, I've gone for Bahrain next. I think that's a good track. Uh, Yeah, I'm getting a good thumbs up from that. Now, here's an interesting one. I have given myself two historic tracks here, which I don't particularly think are great for F1, but I love them both, but I've only decided I can only have one of these. So I'm only giving myself one of Barcelona or Hungary. Uh, Which one would you guys go for out of those two? Neither. They're what? both rubbish. Oh, they're, but they're both good tracks. It's just F1 have, has outgrown them both. Uh, it, it would have to be Hungary, just because when it gets hot, everybody has trouble and madness happens. I'm, I'm going to pick the Hungaro Ring as well. So I think neither Hungaro Ring, Hungaro Ring, point of order, Hungaro Ring makes Spanners' list. In an alternate timeline, we would go to Turkey instead. Yes, absolutely. Oh, well, hang the on. Best Tur- circuits there is. Turkey's available on this choice. So I will quickly run through the rest of my list. China, Bahrain, now Hungary, because you've let me choose that. Malaysia, I absolutely love that Grand Prix. Korea, I thought that was good with the, the kind of double straights in there. I would go for uh, Nürburgring GP because I like racing on the iRacy. Kota made my list. I think it's a fantastic track. And Brazil, of all the traditional F1 tracks that you could argue are no longer F1 size, Brazil is the best of them. So you have no Silverstone, you have no Spa, you have no Monza, you have no Suzuka. Monza's boring, it's just straight. Stop, stop copying my damn list. All right, Matt, you tell me yours. So I've told you mine, China, Bahrain, Hungary, Malaysia, Korea, uh, Nürburgring, GP, Kota and Brazil. All those tracks Catman mentioned, great tracks, but I could only pick eight. Which ones did you go for? Suzuka. Spa, Coda, Silverstone, Baku, <laughs> because you need at least one street race. No, boring. Brazil, Monza, and Austria. Okay, let me tell you why I'm ro- why you're wrong. Well, Monza's just straights. Who cares? It's boring. It's, it's a novelty Did you not race. see last year's race? It, Monza's a novelty race in the same way Monaco's a novelty race. Why don't ah, we just... Ah, you get the slipstream. Just, it's genius. Yeah, it's we so just, fast. It's we, the fastest race. Fast okay, Mike fast. Stoner says that your list totally rules. Uh, the time <laughs> likes you more. I should have said Silverstone. That was a horrible, horrible admission. Yes, it was. If you're going to have Monza, we might as well just do, just do an oval. That's fine. Baku's only interesting if someone smashes into turn one. So I'll agree with Baku as long as we nominate someone to bring out a safety car in, in, in turn one. It's Ricardo in reverse in turn three, right? And honestly, Red Bull Ring, <laughs> Austria, what are you smoking? That does not make your top eight tracks oh, for your no, dream. It's had some genius races. That was the Rosberg Hamilton thing last year, Verstappen and Leclerc. Are you kidding me? And the elevation change is like, look, 
outside of Monaco, that's the best elevation change. Uh, I think Brazil gets in there too. The elevation changes everything there, plus the high altitude. Yeah, Austria is absolutely genius. I love that circuit. It, it's the, I don't know if it's the fact that it's actually quite a simple circuit by the looks of things, but as you say, the elevation changes, the bumps, and the fact that it's wide on corner entry just means there's so many different angles to take that the overtaking is is awesome and it's also quite high so uh, you know the 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 atmosphere is different and it just makes for great racing i love it what else is on your list there spa it's hard to argue with spa because it is a it is a great track and that big long drag after the corner that everyone disagrees the name of uh, up into the right-hander. You know, that's amazing. It brings you scenes uh, that have been seminal like in, in modern F1. The, the scene that's jumping into my head is, was it, was it Leclerc in a Sauber? There was, there was a midfield driver who suddenly had the, the opportunity to keep their nose in, uh, with the Ferraris and the Mercedes and decided to kind of duck out and say, no, 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 this is not my fight. Uh, I can't remember, but it was the long drag down the back straight that let them do it. Catman, you'll save me. Yeah, that was Kobayashi, wasn't it? No, it, well, I wish it wasn't was Kobayashi. It I think it was Ocon. Actually, no, he, it was he would Ocon. have kept his nose stuck in. If it, it was, was him, Ocon. It? it was Ocon in the in the Force India, uh, all the way down the inside of Vettel. And you were like, go for it, son. Go on, stick your nose in. And he probably sensibly, and why he's a professional racing driver, and I'm an armchair iRacing hack, decided, no, lift off, let the big boys go, get a good result. He didn't go for the Van Gene dive bomb. Um, the one I was thinking of was when Hamilton went past Kobayashi to lap him. He was miles ahead in the field, pulled across right in front of him, and Kobayashi punted him off the circuit. Um, that was what I was thinking of in that same space. I sh- but surely the most iconic bit of driving at that part of the circuit was um, in 19, no, 2000 and something, when you had Ricardo Zonta driving up really slowly in his BAR up the middle of the, of the circuit. And you had Schumacher and Hakkinen. Schumacher went one way, Hakkinen went the other and overtook him for the race lead and the race victory. That was one of the best moves you've ever seen. Oh, Uncle Catman. I love it when you tell us stories from the before time and the long, long ago. I can't remember that far back. What was it like before Aero? I think I'm only a year older than you, Spanners. I think you're actually younger than me. I'm 39. <laughs> I'm 39, unfortunately. I don't know how oh, that happened. Well, well, I'm much older than me then. Yeah, sorry about sorry about that, everyone. My my youthful visage has fooled you all. How long have you been 39 for? Oh, ages. I don't know. Since my birthday. I thought your media age was 31. You're just like, what? What? You're confusing me now. Yeah, but my daughter oh, said, you don't look 31, Dad. You look old. You're not going to live forever. And you're lying, so don't do it anymore. So that's why, that's why I abandoned that. That's why, but I tell you what, Matt, we've got a little bit of time, uh, before I'm going to pull the trigger on our fake Bahrain Grand Prix. So would you like to bring one of the news stories that I have so rudely skipped past, uh, whilst I prep for that? Hmm. We sort of talked about regulations already. So let's talk about the most interesting thing about the Australian Grand Prix not happening. Okay. At least to me which is namely Intuit, without undergoing a lap on the track, the engine manufacturers now effectively have an entire extra update that they can run in the shortened season. And because it's a shortened season and they have three engines, a lot of things can now be spec'd differently and run at higher capacity because they will not have as many races to, uh, to get through. Assuming 
Formula One doesn't fall short of the eight races necessary for a championship season and switch to a super season like WEC did in the last year and a half. Okay, so my current thinking, because we're in March, it has to be that we will fit eight races in. So that's the the current working theory I'm going towards, and obviously that will evolve well before time. So let's assume that it's a eight or even ten race season. What does that mean for the the engine allocation? So instead of three, are they still allowed three, or do they just skip one and go straight to iteration two? I don't believe the engine allocations are anything but increased if there's over 20 races or 22 races or whatever. I don't believe they get shortened if there's less races, although we don't know what was agreed to in the call. So it may be that there are technical directives or other changes we're unaware of. But if you look at the current regulations, it's only got provision for if there are more than X races, not if there are less. Okay, so what would be more interesting from a a fan point of view? I think it's been fairly unpopular, the fact that they've restricted the engines, uh, which in many ways, I don't see how that has made the engines cheaper. I guess the idea was, look, look how long we can make an F1 engine last. In reality, I suspect that the research and development and the 85 power units that you have to blow up to make your race engines more reliable probably works out uh, to be to be more expensive overall. And now, I, you know, as an engineer, everyone drink. I, I was involved in a lot of that process of making things uh, reliable versus uh, flying into the air and exploding really well. Uh, and reliable costs money. Reliable does cost money, but I think if you go back, um, I'm thinking back to one of Steve Matchett's books. Now, even in the 2000s, we are basically paying the same for a year's supply of engines now that that we were in around 2000. So I think they have gotten cheaper, but it may not be cheaper for the people that build them, but for the teams, the cost really hasn't changed that much. Okay, Matt, look, we are an hour into the show formerly known as the Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, we are going to uh, indulge in some silliness uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, Matt has lined up a glass of whiskey because what we're going to do is uh, we are going to invite the panellists to bring one thing that ha- that would have happened in the alternative timeline Bahrain Grand Prix. And also, I have asked you guys on Twitter and Facebook what suggestions you would like for your events or incidents or talking points that happened in the alternative timeline where the Bahrain Grand Prix went ahead. So thank you so much for those contributions. It is going to be stupid. So if you only want super serious stuff, then I will say to you, thank you, uh, goodbye, and do follow us on the social media sites so that you can contribute to things like this at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter. And on Facebook, we have a Facebook group Missed Apex podcast. Search for those. Uh, you can follow me. I'm the best one at Spanners Ready. Or if you want to settle for the other mugs and follow them, uh, we have my co-host uh, Matt Turumpit, who is at MattPT55 on Twitter, Matt. And you are, I would say, very different on your social media than you are in real life. You're, you're quite, you're more direct. You're more, you're an activist. And you state opinions, which is weird for me because I don't have any opinions. No, you have none at all, which is phenomenal, really. Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable I'm in this day and age. So centered. Yes, indeed. Now, I, I, 
express myself freely on my social media. And it's a mix of random political opinions, science, and a cute animal. Yes. So follow Matt at MattPT55 and his wife at A Weaver Writes. Uh, she writes books, which you may enjoy yourself, or you may wish to pass along to your spouse to occupy her while you take part in Mist Apex, iRacing, and stuff like that. Contact me for any reason. SpannersReady at gmail.com. I love getting your correspondence. You can DM me, uh, Facebook message me. Uh, I have a great time speaking to you guys. Nick Alexander occasionally reads... You're a bookish a bookish kind kind of guy, Nick. At Nick Alexander F1 on Twitter. That's me. And uh, you'll be seeing me soon on the Remain Indoors podcast. Looking forward to making my debut uh, on that one as well. It's a debutception. If you've sort, and, you've sorted your mic issues out, then yeah, you can... Yeah, if the mic works okay by then. <laughs> uh, so Remain Indoors podcast tomorrow at 2 p.m. UTC. Uh, that's British time, uh, which is the universal time. We, you should all adhere to that. Uh, Nick, what time is that for you? That is 7 a.m. And uh, Monday is tomorrow, apparently. So that'll be, we'll be doing that tomorrow. I don't know what day of the week it is. It's Monday. Is down, left is right. Yep. <laughs> Are you going to bring us some, uh, some books that we could maybe read? Uh, I don't think you actually want me to do that. I do. I, I actually genuinely want you to do that. Yeah. We'll just live stream audiobooks. No, no. You can tell me what books you're reading and tell me about them. I'm genuinely interested in a non F1 environment. Okay, then. Okay, good. Nick Alexander, Remain Indoors podcast. Follow uh, my social media at Spanners Ready or Richard Ready on Facebook, and I'll, I'll tell you when we're going live there. And follow Catman, who is a very valued member of the Missed Apex crew, who I inexplicably just always forget about you. Uh, what, what is it, Meg? Meg off a of Family Guy. You're our Meg. Like, uh, I did a big thank you to everyone at the last karting event. Just didn't mention you at all. And I just, I seem to leave you out. I don't, I think it's cause we already have another Chris. Yeah, and I, I'm the exotic Chris. You should always remember me. Um, but you can find me on uh, Catman F1. You can also listen to me next week at the MAP um, iRacing. Oh, yes, and, 28th of March. Yep, absolutely. And um, don't get distracted by Matt <laughs> giggling like a schoolgirl. It's okay. He's throwing you off your game. Uh, Catman, yeah, will, sorry. Catman yeah. will be better on the commentary. He won't be the bumbling idiot we've seen thus far. No, I'm joking. I'm joking, Catman. But uh, if people want uh, their cats to be brought to you, is that a thing that you advertise or do you already treat enough cats to keep your business going? I, I have a lot of cats. Um, no, he's, uh, I, I am uh, the director of Maven Vets in Norcheen in, uh, yeah, nice. in, in, the, in Surrey. <laughs> Very good. At CatmanF1 on Twitter. Guys, you are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. Welcome to our alternative Bahrain Grand Prix review. But we live F1. That's what I normally say when it's a review. There's too many words to fit in before the pew. Uh, but we're there now. Oh, guys. Oh, the second race after the exciting opening that was nearly cancelled due to the worldwide pandemic uh, known as corona covid 19 slash sars 2 and that's right i've been reading technical medical documents that i don't understand um we are now into the second round and i can definitely remember what happened in the alternative round one i believe lewis hamilton won and perez came second as far as it was wet it was raining i remember that that is what happened uh, but welcome i'm joined by my panel um matt trumpets 
Nick Alexander and Chris Catman Turner. Matt, ooh, what a what an interesting or and or boring Bahrain Grand Prix. We don't know yet. Uh, well, yes, indeed. But I mean, of course, the talk of last week was clearly Ocon getting a podium in his inaugural race for Renault. God, I don't remember that. I've got to stop drinking on the show. Okay, good. Yes, what an interesting thing. Yes, straight out of uh, the, the F1 wilderness, back into a podium. Well done. And of course, for the champion uh, this this year, for, for, for round two, a really bad start. You know, Brad Neymar via Facebook message, uh, no, via Twitter DM, uh, said to me uh, that his main talking point out of qualifying, Nick, was Lewis Hamilton getting knocked out in Q1. You know, that early puncher that, that made him, that damaged the floor and needed him to have a floor change and start from the back of the grid really set the tone for the whole race. Right, and am I correct in understanding that the starting end of the back of the grid is not because of a, a penalty for changing the floor, it's for being unable to replace the floor in time to go out and set a lap, He was right? simply unable to set a time, yeah. Yeah, I was... You know me, big Hamilton fan. I was biting Huge. my nails watching the mechanics in the garage. I thought that they were going to get him out. It was it was particularly galling, I thought, uh, because uh, his his teammate. Well, it should have been Valtteri Bottas, but he had to stay home because he was on lockdown. So, you know, a, a late arrival of uh, Nico Rosberg came back in to take the seat. So Rosberg qualified on pole, and Hamilton was last. That was just just crazy stuff. Come on, that is that is very insightful of you. I mean, Andrew Audsbury uh, on Facebook Messenger also said that his talking point was the fact that Bottas, after a cycling-related injury, uh, that's, so that's worked out well, uh, was unable to start the Grand Prix and that Esteban Gutierrez nearly took the place as the official reserve driver, but a real surprise to have Nico Rosberg over, uh, you know, Nico Rosberg come in, and and does that spell the end of Esteban Gutierrez's career? Is Esteban Gutierrez's career over? It would have been better if I'd have said that name right. Yeah, I think uh, Nico had uh, had realised what family life actually meant, so he decided to come back to work. Yeah, it turns out kids are terrible, and deciding to not be a Formula One driver, which is literally the best job in the world ever, to spend more time with your kids, Matt, is a ridiculous decision. Yes, and you are missing something, Nick, if you've not got my cross comment on for a comment of the week. Ferrari cappuccino machine explodes during the safety car. We haven't got to the race yet, Mike Cross. Ah, uh, sorry. You jumped the gun, Matt. Oh, but, um, that, was but that wasn't the only uh, surprise entry to the grid. Uh, as I believe uh, Rudray there uh, points out that Maldonado starting an F1 race was something that no one saw coming, but in this corona pandemic, I mean, we just don't know what's going to come up. Right. So I think Maldonado actually got confused because, uh, well, I don't know. In this alternate timeline, did the did the E Grand Prix still take place? Because I was going to say Maldonado heard that they turned damage off and thought that this was his prime opportunity to get in on the action, not understanding, of course, that it really it didn't apply to the actual cars, the laws of physics still being what they are. Okay, so plus three for the very co funny comment, but minus five for breaking the, the fourth wall and seeking clarification. Uh, lights out, let's move on to the race. Uh, as Martin Dooley points out, George Russell made an incredible start, Catman. Absolutely mega move on the outside of four cars on that first lap. 
That's right. And when you start in fifth and you overtake four cars on the first lap, where does that get you? Into the lead at the end of the first lap. It was awesome. Great stuff. And he kept all four wheels on the line. That should have come up, surely, in our qualifying that the Williams is qualified where? And you're surprised that George Russell, the best driver in Formula One, started sixth, fifth, wherever that would put him fifth um started fifth uh yeah and uh and latifi was was nowhere oh wait they're supposed to be doing some surprising stuff right and the, the fact that uh russell has qualified fifth has has completely overshadowed the fact that lance stroll has actually managed to qualify fourth um which i know i know uh i can already imagine spanners is going to say it's because of reasons okay yeah hamilton didn't get to set a lap in q1 botas wasn't even there but there was a freak sandstorm during qualifying there was changing conditions with the grip but but the the fact of the matter is you're going to have to face the fact that stroll keeps putting the car up at the front end keeps occasionally this is one I, occasionally this is one single data point nick you can't that's, tell no me- that's how many how many one offs do we have to have where until we decide that maybe he's okay? Look, if yeah, fine. If he qualifies every single Grand Prix in twenty twenty in fourth place, then fine. I'll accept that he's kind of nearly okay, but not as good as as Perez. Uh, both Williamses, though, Countman, a bit of a disappointment here, as Reynard Bernard has pointed out, hugely disappointing that both Williamses did a jump start. Luckily, though, the race director, for the sake of entertainment, uh, says said that they could continue. And I think that has set the tone for the rest of the season. It's going to be very much a WWE-style uh, uh, stewarding, where they will just, just... Anything can go. That's right. And Verstappen, after the race, can do a, a WWE smackdown on Ocon if he gets in his way. Uh, how do you think um, that Russell got past those four drivers? He just jumped the start. You know, he just... Uh, when the lights turned on, he went. Good on him. I want to see better stewarding. And John uh, McClintock, and when I say it, once I say it, it becomes law. John McClintock in the chat room says, Stroll was subsequently disqualified when he was discovered to be wearing Aquanet Aquanet instead of an actual helmet. So there we go, Nick, you know. What does that mean? Being part part compliant with the regulations is part of the skill of being an F1 driver. I know, but my question is, what is Aquanet? Is this some sort of uh, advantage seeking? What, uh, Matt, Matt, please it's explain. a hairspray. And if you ever have to put grips on a mountain bike handlebar, it is absolutely what you want to use. I'm just going to tell you now. I would say that that is irresponsible of you to say, as we all know that that is what Valtteri Bottas did. And that's why he hung onto the bike too long and ended up uh, not being in this race and being replaced with Nico Rosberg. Uh, okay, and uh, let's go to our panel then. Nick Alexander, what is your first race highlight for the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix? In shades of Baku in more ways than one. Reminiscent of when Ocon used to fight Paris. Reminiscent of when Ricciardo used to battle Verstappen. The Renault teammates have collided into each other. Ocon walking up into the back of Danny into turn one, taking them both clean out of the race. This is cause for celebration. Time to open a beer. Okay, right. Hang on two seconds. This proves that it was all Ocon's fault when he was teammates with Perez, and that that solves so many arguments. Ocon is a dangerous menace, and Ricciardo is finding that out now, Rick. Uh, Nick. 
Yeah, I I don't know what he's supposed to do about it though, I and mean, because he, Danny was just driving along, locked, you know, Esteban locked up right in the back of him. I'm not sure what you can do. I mean, I guess he'll have to just watch out for that. Wow. Maybe not break check your teammate into turn one. I don't know. Seems like it might be a thing. All I got to say is Singapore, Singapore, Singapore. Uh oh, since Matt said it, that is true. That is now true. Daniel Ricciardo break checked Ocon at the end of a straight and received a four place grid penalty for the for the next race. Catman, what was your standout event or incident from the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix? My standout event from the race. That pause indicates that you did not prepare a standout event from the Bahrain 2020 Grand Prix. (laughs) Mine mine was that Rosberg joined in. I didn't know what to say. Um, Okay, my standout event is that Nico Rosberg did start on pole, but he was was a little bit, say, uh, fat from his family life. So he was a bit unfit. And so he's got the dad bod, which, you know, we all have. Yeah, that tracks. Um, I can relate, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah, he was a good couple of seconds a lap slower. And as he dropped through the field, uh, Lewis, as he was charging his way back towards the front, gave him the finger as he drove past. Oh, that Lewis Hamilton. He's so controversial. Hey, Nick, you're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. The race highlight from Charlie Brisker was that Vettel bottled it uh, in turn nine. uh, And Leclerc said on the team radio, it is I, Leclerc, uh, as he took third place from Vettel. And actually, Dan uh, on Facebook said that Leclerc made that... It was a fantastic overtake on Vettel in that tricky n- turn nine ten complex where he so masterfully ruled uh, in the 2019 Bahrain Grand Prix. Right. So I will point out that the turn nine ten area of Bahrain is an incredibly tricky breaking point uh, in that uh, Vettel's mistake could have happened to anybody and he certainly doesn't have a penchant for uh, spinning his car. (laughs) And he definitely doesn't. So still some Ferrari loyalty there. Some fantastic comments uh, from you guys. Thank you so much uh, for your interactions. Uh, Let's see. uh, uh, Tragically, uh, you know, Tony Firth points out that has again had an epic pit stop fail, but it wasn't the only terrible pit stop calamity. Has a has uh, emailed me to say that Raikkonen got confused in the pit stops and he actually pulled into the Alpha Touri garage and the pit crew, realising that Alphas are all basically the same, used Kvyat's last set of tyres on Kimi and sent him on his way, completely ruining Kvyat's race. Uh, also, the commentators were completely unable and powerless to realise that anything had gone wrong. Matt, what was your uh, highlight from the Bahrain 2020 Grand Prix? This is nearly over, everyone. Don't worry. Oh, wow. You've actually come back to me. I, I was busy typing things out. And now I think the highlight had to be Albon getting his first podium. Okay. I mean, that's quite, that's semi plausible. Please explain how uh, he was able to get his way into the podium places. Well, as you know, um, he and Verstappen went at each other into the first turn. Verstappen was ahead and then it was Vettel coming by. And Leclerc was struggling with his tires, but then Vettel and Verstappen decided to argue with each other. And once they both were damaged and had to pit early, it was Albon's place for the taking. And he settled in and managed a very, very good rhythm until the um, until the late safety car, which brought everybody back together. 
and that was what allowed him to jump uh, Perez. Oh, really? Oh, really? Knife in the heart. Okay, who, okay, okay, good, good, good. It, it allowed him to jump Perez, who had gone long on his tires, but as a result, wasn't able to get the temperatures back into them soon enough. Sorry, is this too realistic? It probably is. Yeah, it's a little bit. I'd say, Matt, answer me one question. Who won? Oh, you know, uh, had to be Leclerc, right? He deserved it after last year. How did he get past Russell then? How did he get past Russell, who was clearly leading by such a big margin in the last year? What car is Russell drive again? (laughs) He got it by just driving slowly around him. Well, I tell you what, what a fantastic race review. Oh, my God, an exciting race. Redemption. Thy name is Leclerc. Leclerc finally puts to bed the demons of the engine failure of the 2019 Bahrain Grand Prix. Alburn proves himself in the top echelon of Formula One drivers. And Perez shows that he is now the bad boy of Formula One. The questions that we ask as we move forward to the next fictitious race, which I think is Vietnam. I'm not sure. I've lost track. Um, Will Rosberg continue or will Bottas recover from his cycling injury? Will Maldonado uh, go back to esports where he can turn the damage off? Who knows? But all we know is that... Who won? Who won again, Matt? Leclerc. Oh, yeah. All we know is that Leclerc (laughs) is on his way to stamp his claim on the 2020 title. And all that remains is for anyone who got lost through all of that chaos is to find out from Matt uh, where the race was won and lost via the medium. Are you ready, Matt? (laughs) Via the medium. Lord, not at all. Well, (laughs) but... Yeah, I may have overconsumed on my whiskey. I'm just going to warn you in advance. Okay, you can't overconsume. You can only have enough. We've covered this over <laughs> and over again. Okay, Matt, it, it turns to you to tell us where the race was won and lost with your race in 60 seconds. You can go whenever you want. This is you playing trumpet. Yeah, I'm waiting for the trumpet. Oh, really? That's just me. How long does it take? I I don't know. I don't remember this. We should have planned this. I think we're in it now, though. Here here we go. go. My funny Valentine. Trumpet's playing. Go. And it's light. Oh, there goes Russell. Out. Russell to the lead immediately. Oh, my goodness. Russell back out of the lead immediately. All the fast cars go immediately by him because he was only in that place in the first place because everyone ate from the same buffet except for Russell. Oh, wow. Oh, that explains a whole lot. Nobody took place part in Q2 except for Russell. That's why he was there. Oh, my goodness. What do we have? We have... It's it's Perez. Perez Check. on Norris. Check Perez notes. by Norris. It's Norris on Perez. Norris gets Perez. Oh, wait. Sainz gets both of them. Well done. Oh, it's pit stop time. Hamilton is up to P10 into the pits. He's first for his second set of tires. Verstappen pits. Vettel pits. Vettel and Verstappen by each other on the pit entry, on the pit exit. What could go wrong? Apparently everything. There is carbon fiber and tears. Too bad for them. There goes Albon. He's into third. Finally, he will get a podium because I'm making this all up as I go. Grosjean on Magnussen. Magnussen on Grosjean. There's not a crash. But they both pit, and there go their tires. Oh, tragedy that didn't happen in Australia happens now. Now we're into the final laps. And Ocon 
Oh no, into Ricardo. Or was it a break check? That happened on lap one, but I just figured I'd put it in there. What could go wrong? Raikkonen it into the wrong pits. That could go wrong. He was going for fast lap and instead he took Kvyat's last tires. Oh, this is a tragedy indeed. There we go. Final laps. Albon P3. Rosberg. Oh, I forgot he was in the race. Sorry about that. Who won? I don't know. Why not Verstappen? No, Leclerc. It was Leclerc Leclerc. gets him at the line. Oh, it was so exciting. And what a redemption after last year. Verstappen, Albon, and then Rosberg. No, wait, it was Hamilton because Hamilton gave him the sign going by. Ah, well, my apologies. It was better last week. Well, match on fits with your race in about 500 seconds. Uh, that was stupid, but you all voted last week. I gave you the choice. You did this. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in to Missed Apex Podcast. We will be back next week for some serious kind of technical analysis. It's going to be a news and tech with Kyle Power, Matt Trumpets, and Gemma Hatton from Race Car Magazine formerly a Pirelli tyre engineer at the forefront of the interface between Pirelli and um, and the teams, and then working as a tyre engineer for Mr. Apex Podcast. So Matt will be in heaven. Kyle will be delighted because we're talking two-stroke engines, and it will be my my job, uh, or maybe Van Jean's job, to sit there and go, stop, whenever they're getting too carried away, so that dum-dums like you, listener, and me, can understand what's going on. Please do follow our panel uh, what's wrong, Catman? What's wrong? Apart from the fact you called our listenership stupid. They're, they're all exactly as stupid as me, so it's fine. I I am the base level for understanding. Follow Catman F1 at Catman F1 on Twitter. Nick Alexander at Nick Alexander. Matt at, at MattPT55. And me at Spanners Ready. Or be my Facebook friend uh, at Richard Ready. You could also support us on Patreon if you would be so kind. Um, in these difficult times, uh, you guys know how on the bubble I was at chasing this media dream and what an integral part uh, of that Missed Apex has been. I've had good news, bad news. Uh, like many freelancers, uh, we have had so much of our work completely just wiped out. Uh, my wife shut down all her businesses. It kind of puts us on the bubble, but we have a new battle plan, which is spend no money ever and remain indoors uh, but what has been fantastically heartening is that uh, out of all our Patreon supporters, with everything that's going on, in the last month, we've lost one Patreon supporter. And that has warmed my heart. And in the last week, we've gained several new Patreon supporters as well. Uh, we try to provide good extras for our Patreon supporters, but really it's just the fact that you know you're supporting independent podcasts. The independent podcasts that are supported survive. The ones that aren't, pod fade. Even the corporate ones, and there's a lot of corporate F1-style podcasts now, masquerading as your friendly local shared podcast, if they don't make profits, they eventually go away too. So it's all about support. And at the moment, Missed Apex is looking healthy because of you guys. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. We do a patron-only feed. If you add that to your podcatcher, you remove the adverts uh, that are provided by Acast, which I hope aren't too annoying for the rest of you. And uh, you can come and join us in our private forum, which is a Slack group. So it's on the Slack app chat. There's about 15 different channels in there, including, you know, general channel, a random channel, Formula One. Um, we've got a special Corona channel. So that doesn't uh, infect the rest of the... It's been quarantined 
all the Corona chat has been quarantined. Uh, Nick Alexander runs a an exercise channel there and a bird spotting channel. Nick, is that correct? Yeah, there. I believe it's called uh, Channel Burb House, and then there is a channel Nick's Running Club where we talk about running all sorts of exercise, which uh, is only going to be more important in these days where we're stuck at home. We're going to have to all get on our hamster wheels and and spin around and and try not to go crazy. <laughs> Uh, yes, if you support us there at patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex, come and join us in our forums and know that you're helping us survive. Uh, if you can't do that, please tell your friends who are into F1 that Missed Apex podcast has always provided great off-season content. We hope. We've always tried to. We've missed one week in four seasons. Uh, so for us, this delay is simply an extended off-season. And actually, we uh, we enjoy our off-season podcasting quite a lot. If you want more of me and Matt, we are going to be broadcasting nearly every day until people tell us to stop, stop listening, or our wives tell us we're not allowed uh, for the Remain Indoors podcast. So search for Richard Reddy on YouTube. That's my personal channel because I was unable to get a brand channel up and running. So that is the same channel I use to upload uh, like videos to send to my mum. So I've curated some of them but there is some family stuff in there as well. So search for Richard Reddy. Join us live, 2 p.m. UTC. Me, Matt, and Nick Alexander tomorrow will be taking you through some of the nicer, lighter stories we've found uh, and be telling you how we're keeping ourselves entertained uh, during this apocalypse. And also there's a live chat room there, so we can hang out, and it's a nice community thing, Matt. It is. Um, We had included some motorsports-related Netflix recommendations. Do you want to save that for next week? We'll save that for next week. We absolutely will. Yeah, we'll keep you entertained all throughout this extended off-season. Thanks for joining us. Wherever we see you next, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. I don't know why I got increasingly shouty towards the... Oh, no, I've done it again, haven't I? What? You're so cruel, panel. You know I've missed it. You know I've forgotten it. So why don't you just go, like, a signal or something? Why isn't there a signal that I've forgotten comment of the week? Right, Nick's in charge this week. Nick, why don't you give us the contenders for... Comment of the week. Yes, Mark Skid, I forgot. I forget all the time. Ha, ha, ha. Spanners forgets comment of the week. Very funny. But the thing is, I'm devastated now because we've already run to 1 minute 37 this is a stupidly long podcast for a race that never happened. Oh, I will not read as many comments as Matt, but Good. you know that bad puns are always going to be in the running for me. So Mike, know, Stoner was in, Mike Stoner was in early with, I hope I win COVID of the week. No, that's too morbid. That's like my kids, right? When I left uh, to do my radio show, which is the only time I leave the house now, my son turned to me and said, Papa Ricky... Are you going to the out-outs now? Like, they have fully leaned into apocalypse humour. They fully leaned into it. And I so I replied with, yes, and I shall return with protein and meats from the sea, like the before time. Um, John McClintock says that the FIA is imposing a flow meter on Matt Trumpet's whiskey glass for a minimum one mil per minute. No, he will die. That is all that is sustaining him. No, for a for a minimum, oh, okay. a minimum, yeah, okay, a okay. minimum whiskey Oof. trip, like an IV, if you will. And because I'm not Matt, and I'm not going to read ten. The winner 
as we were discussing the rumors of Toto going to Aston Martin, Vermin says it's going to take a lot to drag him away from a Mercedes. You'll have to explain to me why that's funny. Uh, Toto, Africa, bless the rains in Africa. He's going to have to take sing it a now. lot to take. Anyway. Oh, well, that's our YouTube takedown notice sorted for this week. Uh, Matt? No, 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 no. That's not going to get us taken down. Anyways, the winner is Furman's. It's going to take a lot to drag him away from a Mercedes. Uh, well, that's okay. I was just going to chuck one into the consideration mix. But- wow. Okay, no, fine. No, go on. Why not? We've already run two hours. Let's just keep going. <laughs> We're never we've already picked end. a winner. No, no, Miss well, picked a No, Miss Apex Podcast on air, twenty four seven, keeping you company through this apocalypse. Go on, Matt, carry on. Well, it was Anders Torgerson at the very, very beginning of the show saying it is either Map Livestream or the forty sixth annual Cherry Pit Spitting Competition on ESPN. There are people which really made stuck. me laugh. <laughs> I did, yeah, and I just thought it might deserve some consideration. But you know, Catman, it's all good. Well, since we're all getting one in, I'll get one in too. So, <laughs> so, so European said Lando Norris will have to call his father Chuck to force the Mercedes engine into the 2020 sassy just by talking at it. Right, whatever. This is stupid bite. Comment of the week. Sorry about that, everyone. I apologise. Normal service will be resumed sometime in July. I think that's... That's the best Maybe. we can hope for. Maybe. I don't know. Remain indoors. Podcast. Yes. There we go. Good. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 